Hi, this is Bryson Stott, first-round draft pick of the Philadelphia Phillies, and you're listening to the High Hopes Podcast with James Seltzer and Jack Fritz. This is the High Hopes Podcast. High Hopes. It's a bunch of baseball nerds talking about the Philadelphia Phillies on Radio.com and Sports Radio 94 WIP. Yo! It is a walk-off Bryce Harper Grand Slam edition of the High Hopes Podcast. Jack Fritz, what the hell's going on, buddy? We are back. Oh, oh my Don't God. let the Phils get hot. Don't let the Phils get hot. All right, so inside baseball, Jack and I, in classic High Hopes fashion, recorded a pod during the game that you will hear the vast majority of, and you'll hear us saying, oh, it's pretty clear the Phillies aren't going to win this game. And guess what? The Phillies freaking won the game, Jack. Bang. Six runs in the bottom of the ninth inning. Bryce Harper is, look, Bryce Harper has had some awesome Philadelphia moments. None is even close. Jack, I think you could argue this is the best win in eight years. Like, I'm not even kidding. Certainly the best win of the season. One of the best wins in a really, really long time. And we'll get into all the Charlie stuff later that you'll hear. We talked about it. We talked about the rest of this series and what's been going on. And again, you'll hear us say some really dumb stuff about not winning the game tonight. Yeah, they didn't have a a chance tonight. I actually think that we're the reason they won it. Just like with Bryce Harper, once we really get to that point where we give up on something, it seems to go the other way, Jack. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so, hey, let's, let's get it out there now. I have completely given up on the 2019 <laughs> Phillies. Let's get it out. They don't have a shot to make a run in this thing. Um, biggest, I would say most impressive win since the Chooch walk-off off of Broxon in the regular season was. Actually, that's, that's an exaggeration. That was like 09. No, it was actually 10. It was 10. Either way, I agree with you. One of the most ridiculous, like, listen, the Phillies never win that game. They don't win like, this game. They never win this game. Never ever. They didn't. They haven't won that game since Charlie Manuel's managing this team. And, <laughs> and guess who's back in the dugout? You're damn right, buddy. The skip. Uh, the Charlie Magic. It feels real. Um, I like. I don't even care anymore if it sounds ridiculous. Like. I'm all in on this team making a run. I said at the end of the podcast. You did. That, that, you did. That, People will hear that before this happened, you were all in. You were ready. Yeah. Listen, I said it before. I'll say it again. No one talks himself into a Phil's run quicker than me. <laughs> it is literally. <laughs> You'll hear him say that again later. It's coming. It, it's in the Guinness Book of World Records. Fastest guy to talk themselves into a <laughs> Phil's run. And like, like, like that was just. They don't. They don't ever. It was. It looked like such a classic Phillies game. Like classic. Like oh, we're gonna go down. We're gonna be lifeless. We're not even gonna give ourselves a shot to win this game. And then I was like half paying attention, half trying to get ready for the post game show. Let's go inside both of our lives. Uh, I'm the Eagles pre and post game producer, so I'm here at the studio. That's why we didn't finish the pod. We wanted to stay on till the end of the game. And Jack had to go. It was what it was. He had to go work. So we were like, eh, they're probably not going to win anyway. And then we're texting each other as it's happening. And Jack's going to be, it's hilarious. It's going to be hilarious if we have to re-record because they're going to win this game. Yeah. So listen, this is the best re-record. Well, is this better? No, no. The Bryce Harper re-record was better. That Yeah. Bryce- let's be fair. You know, one game versus 13 years. But man, this is pretty damn close, Jack. I mean... J- Bryce Harper has had three of his best games as a Philly in the last seven days. Yeah. Like the, the the two home run game against the Giants, the game the, uh, uh, last night. I mean, last yeah, night. Yeah, two, homer, two homers last night, and then this. I mean, the Bryce Harper hot streak's here. Clutch Bryce Harper's here. He's already more clutch than Derek Jeter. And I just think that, <laughs> like, like he, like, for all the bull crap that was spewed about, oh, this guy's never had a big hit in his life. This guy's a terrible defensive player. This guy's a terrible teammate. Well, how about this? In the first year of Bryce Harper being here, he has absolutely written all that bull crap off. And for a guy who's been like, who's been like a semi-disappointing Bryce Harper season, like the run he has gone on the last two, three weeks has just been, it's just given me so much life. Like I'm, I'm sitting down watching games and Bryce Harper is breathing life into my life. Yeah, no, he is. Uh, you know, when he came here, we talked a lot about like, we haven't had that guy here in a long time who was much was must watch television every time he stepped to the plate. And it hasn't always felt like that this season. Oh baby. 
Is it that now? I mean, you can't miss a Harper at bat, and it just, you knew it was going to happen. As I'm watching this game, first of all, thank you to the Cubs for playing horrendous baseball that last inning. Errors, balls hitting off gloves, Pedro Strop just being horrendous. Uh, but you just felt like it was going to get to Harper with the bases loaded. When Hoskins was up, I didn't know how he was going to walk. I didn't think he was going to get hit by a pitch, but I knew he was going to get on base because I knew it was going to come up with Bryce Harper with the bases loaded with the chance to win the game. And I, Jack, for the first time this season, a team that is just consistently disappointed, consistently frustrated, consistently come out after great efforts and crapped the bed over and over and over again, I knew he was going to hit a home run. Like, I knew it was over. I knew it was coming. Like, you, you're you right, Jack. And you said this at the end of the pod that they're going to hear that was hours ago. But it really feels special right now. For the first time, this really since the first week of the season. And again, it's, well, I know it's only three games, only two since Charlie's here. But tonight, last night, what's going on right now feels different. And these are the things that the, a team can believe in. Like these are the things that you can build off of. Having an eleven-run outburst uh, last night, and then having a huge comeback win tonight. Six-run like ninth, Jack. They had right. a six-run ninth. These are the things that can propel a team forward. Now you've Charlie Manuel there, who is a World Series manager, who is now your hitting coach, to go along with 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 just like oodles of positive vibes, like. I, it's, it was such a massive win. It was such a like you could kind of see the, the 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 Phillies fans turning. It was like oh they had the eleven run game and they come back with a dud. Ha ha, classic Phillies. And then for them to come back like that's how quickly this town will come back to baseball. Like the baseball talk was legit. Maybe a week left of until it was just absolutely. It was getting dead. hard to do, man. I mean, when was it? This is the first time in so long. I feel like you and I have talked to each other and we're both excited and happy. No, it was, it was, it was such, it was such a beautiful game. It was such a beautiful game. And that was one of those games where it's like, there was a lot of casual Phillies fans checking in the beginning of the season. And they're like, Oh, let me see what this Bryce Harper guy is all about. Like people say, uh, he's the face of baseball and whatnot. And like to see him come through like that, having the face of baseball come through like that, having the face of your superstar come through like that. That's where you start drawing in the casual fans. That's when you're a, a little kid at that game, little kid staying up with your dad to watch Bryce Harper do that. That's what sucks you in to the most beautiful sport in the world. And I just, I just think that it, it like for let, let's go let's go blow this way out of proportion. That's a game that sucks in Phillies fans for the next ten years. Beautiful win. Thank you, Bryce Harper. Best re-record in, in high hopes podcast. <laughs> no, no question. And also, like that's the type of win. And I know we've said things like this this season, where oh maybe you know that four game Mets series, the way they won those games, maybe that can kind of turn this around. Last night felt like the first win this season, where it's like. Oh man, this could be a turning point. Like we could look back at the end of this season, and again, we're not talking World Series or anything, but yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, <laughs> but but we're like we could look back and say, oh, that was when it changed. That was when the season turned, and they went on and they won a wild card game, and they gave the Dodgers a run, or they won a couple games against the Dodgers, or who the hell knows what. It feels like this is the kind of game. This is the kind of series, and of course coincides with a certain skip coming back to down but that's the type of series where we we could look back and say oh that that was the moment right there in that moment the entire season the entire trajectory of this team for this season and the future potentially in terms of the reps in terms of the playoff opportunities in terms of all that stuff that could happen we could look back on this series and say wow that was the moment it sure would be nice if their general manager didn't uh, get them Drew Smiley and <laughs> Jason Vargas to the deadline. You know what I'd be more excited about? This recent hitting hot streak and also an actual number two pitcher behind behind uh, Aaron Nola. That would be nice to have. I know. Yeah, even you know, a number three, or like as you, we'll, we'll get to this later, but like a Tanner Roark would be. Well, uh, he'd be the number two on this team. That's the sad thing, actually. No, he one hundred percent would be. Easy. He one hundred percent would be. Um, I, I really, I just, I hope the pitching staff does not come back to bite them in the ass because this offense is back. It has arrived. The talent is all there, and I just think that they were starting to slowly come out of the funk um, towards the end of the Maley regime. And I just think that with Charlie here, with Charlie kind of giving that vibe in that in that clubhouse, with them getting two back-to-back special wins, it is enough to where like 
it can propel them. And I, I just hope and pray that this pitching staff does not hold them back, even though I know it will. And I know, <laughs> I, I know they're going to disappoint me because the Phillies pitching staff will always disappoint you. I just hope that it doesn't happen and they can just let this offense fly. Just let it fly because they are they are here. They have arrived. Barrel Delphia back. Barrel Delphia is finally back, man. <laughs> it's only been a couple months. Yeah, but hey, I will take it, man. And look, well, we you know as we've talked about a million times, and we'll continue to talk about. But I mean, that's the chances team has. If they're going to make any noise, it's got to be the offense that carries them. As we've said for weeks and months and all that, but. I actually finally believe since the fir- for the first time since the first week of the season, Jack, that this oh, offense so could carry them. And now we got the Padres coming in town without Fernando Tatis Jr. And then we and then you, like you mentioned the schedule in the second half of this podcast, like this is when you go on a run. Yep. They are not playing good teams. The only good team they're playing in the next what like four series is the 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 Mets. And, I, is it I, t- and a two game series against Boston? That's it. Okay, two game series against Boston. But we know what happens in Boston with Aaron Nolly pitching the best right. game in the history of, of baseball. Um, I don't even know if he's starting that series, but I need I need Aaron Nolly to start he that has series. To. Yeah. Aaron, how about Absolutely this? Awesome. Aaron Nola game one, uh, Spencer Howard game two. Oh! <laughs> if they if they are in it in September and Spencer Howard is not here, it will be organizational malpractice. I because agree. Spencer Howard would be this team's number two right now. I am 1,000% convinced of that. Oh, man. Jack, I am uh, I'm like giddy, man. I'm oh, so... Dude, I, it's 12:10. We've both been having long days. You were up at 5 a.m. to talk about some football team that no one cares about <laughs> on 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 on, on CBS on the news. Um, uh, I didn't know the, I didn't know there was a football team in town because <laughs> because this baseball team is just firing on all cylinders. Um, uh, you've been up all day. I've been up all day. And honestly, like I just feel like tomorrow is going to just be giddiness all day long. Just giddiness, jumping up and down, thinking about thinking about a possibility of a, a meaningful, oh. actual, good oh. September baseball. When are we breaking out the rally towels? When when's the first rally towel game? Because oh, I, I could really use it. September first. Oh. Entire month of September, it's rally towel time. Let's go. Come on. Let's go. Come on. Get me playoff Nola. Oh, Get Fransky to the playoffs. I, it, uh, it's just so exciting to believe again, Jack. Like, it's. I feel like it's been so long since I actually believed in this team. And I do. I'm with you. I've talked myself into the run now, too. You people will hear that at the end of this podcast, I am... I am hopeful, but not where you're at. I'm there, bro. Like, I'm there, man. That was beautiful. What a win. What a win, By the way, by the way, both broadcasters just absolutely crushed the home run call tonight. Oh, yeah. And John Crock coming in, too, with the, oh, my God, is amazing. I thought thought that was Tom McCarthy's best home run call. I thought it was an unbelievable Tom McCarthy call. And Fransky... Just Fransky always crushes it. Just always, always crushes it. If you can find the Fransky call, I mean, we're going to play it all day. I was just about tomorrow. to say, it's going to be on the radio all day tomorrow. All day long on WIP tomorrow. Uh, just the, 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 the Fransky home run call. What a night. Um, I just, Bryce talked about how that's one of the coolest moments of his life. Yes, a- literally said that. He said, you know, other than a playoff moment, he's like, this might be the greatest moment of my life. Or this is one of the greatest moments of my life. My I mean, career. that was the... Th- that was the fastest sprint I've ever seen around. Dude, that's uh, what I was going to say. Well, home. and not just he does the high step in first on the first baseline, gets the knees up, and then just takes off and almost caught up to uh, Hoskins. Like, was this close to catching up to Hoskins? He was sprinting. He was so ready to get to home plate, get to the mob of teammates, and celebrate when they do the water. You know, the the throw the water on him at the end. He's like, bring it on! Like it was just. It was magical, man. Like, it really was. We haven't had a lot of magical moments this season, and tonight was magical. Can't you just see, like, the end of the year yearbook already? Like, and when did the season turn? And then you start go breaking into the... the, the ninth the, inning. Ninth yeah, inning, and it's got yeah. the error, and then, the yeah. you know, and the, the Quinn single off the glove, and Hoskins gets hit with the pitch, and Harper steps to the plate, and we're all sitting there like, oh, my God, I can't believe they're... I can't believe they're actually in this game right now. I can't believe they're about to win this game right now. That It's just... 
Oh, what a night, man. I, there, there's a reason I, that we're, we're talking right now when we very easily could have just said, eh, you know, we recorded already or whatever. Like, that was not an option. We, we had to come on and, and just oh, oh, whatever. I'll be tired tomorrow. Well, I I cannot wait to go home and, and rewatch, which is exactly what I plan to do when I get home. Well, that's what I've been doing for the last 50 minutes, waiting for you to finish your shift. <laughs> I've, just been, I've seen Bryce Harper's home run. Somewhere in the neighborhood of 400 times already. Ugh. I mean, guess what? It's not stopping anytime soon. No, no, no. I, I just want to watch it on a repeat. When I so, go to bed, I'll be dreaming about it. I would just like our last little thing here. Like, I know this baseball team has frustrated us. And I know it's been like just a very trying baseball season. I think it's time to put, put, the, put the first couple months of the season to rest. Like, just we, we can forget. We can forget the first couple of months. Because I think this team has arrived. I just think that a run is in store. And I think we can forgive the baseball team for the last couple of months because JT Realmuto has arrived. Bryce Harper has arrived. Scott Kingery has arrived. Reese Hoskins, please. I mean, need you? Like we we could we could use a little Reese Hoskins hot streak. Hey man, nobody got hit like a pitch tonight like Reese Hoskins did. No. Biggest hit by pitch of the season, baby. Guy's a warrior. Um, <laughs> let's try to put the first couple months behind us. And uh, get behind this baseball team because there's just nothing better when the Phils are on a run and then we get meaningful baseball in uh, in September. So, what a night! And uh, don't listen. You, I mean, listen to the second half of the podcast. Um, but it's not going to be as good as this part. <laughs> we, we sound like idiots. And if you don't, if you don't come to High Hopes Night on Saturday, I tell you what, it's going to be way more joyous about oh, High Hopes I'm Night. I'm so excited. We've been talking about High Hopes Night for so long, and we're as you'll hear in like two minutes when we go back in time we're so excited and we're so grateful to everyone who's coming out but um we've been talking about this for so long and and the last you know few weeks month we're like well maybe it won't be quite as fun from the phillies perspective as it will be from ours but we'll still have fun it's pretty awesome that now we could be excited about the phillies too yeah we appreciate it yeah thank you phillies thank you bryce and uh i I think that last point you made is a perfect point to to go out on the idea that We've talked for a while about how this team, like you almost didn't like them at times. And there was that dichotomy. You even said, you're like, at what point are people going to be in? Or is it going to be a week left in the season and they're a game out of the wild card? People are still going to be bitching about Kapler and complaining about this and that. Like, at what point do people get on board? I think you're right, Jack. Right now. It's right now. It's time to get on board. It's time to have fun. It's time to make a run, man. Mm. Mm, oh. Just the, the words make a run just fill me with joy. Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. All right. Um, awesome. Um, um, Jack, thank you for uh, for staying up and doing this with me. Uh, obviously, you were working anyway, but I'm just so happy that thank you. Thank everybody. Um, and um, uh, for Bryce Harper, the patron saint of the High Ups podcast, Thank you, sir, for that magical night. And let's go on a run. And coming out with us for the beginning of this run, for this run in motion, Saturday I Hopes, which we'll talk more about right now when we go back in time. All right, let's, uh, let's start at the top. We'll dive into Charlie in a sec. But this is literally your last chance to coming out with us on Saturday if you want to. Uh, High Hopes Night, August 17th, this Saturday against the Padres. Pin tweet on Jack's Twitter profile, my Twitter profile. It is the last chance. If you want to come hang out with us, if you want to hang with the shocking amount of people who have decided to come hang out with us, and thank you to all you wonderful, beautiful, amazing people because um, Jack and I are blown away with the response we've gotten. Um, at, so last chance. Come hang out with us at the game on Saturday last night. Chance, last chance to come hang out with possibly the two future Phillies broadcasters after <laughs> we send them tape of this, of this comeback, of this fight of the game. It's, it's, it would be a beautiful thing. Um, Saturday, 5 o'clock, Jetro. 5 o'clock, Jetro. James and I will be there. Uh, we will and we'll be there. like tweet out a picture of the location too if you're struggling to find it in Jetro. Just check our Twitter when we're there and all that type of stuff. We'll do the best we can. to. Um, but Jetro's not that big. You'll find us. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Jetro is not that big at all. Um, it's where real Philly fans park. I've been. That was my. I think. I think my first take ever actually was real Philly fans get off at Jetro and real Philly fans get off at Packer. Wow, that was your first take. How about it? Yeah, 
Yeah, I'm pretty proud. That's a pretty good first take. So a very good first take. I, unfortunately, Jack, we may have to retire your. Uh, can you believe the Phillies chose you, Darvish, over Jake Arrieta take tonight? But that's a different Uh-oh. story. No, Jake's fine. He just has bones first. <laughs> he'll, he'll be back next year. It would have been so much more fun though if Jake was like revenge season Jake and uh. it was actually good. But unlike most things that we hope are fun. They turn out to be absolutely horrible. Yes. And now, this and, and now all of a sudden, you Darvish doesn't walk anybody anymore, and he's great. So, yeah. yeah. Well, the Phillies have the Phillies have made a, a, a career uh, I don't of know. this. Yes, yeah. a season of this. They've made a season of uh, making average pitchers look way better than they actually are. So I am not surprised by tonight's occurrences. Yeah, well, we, we couldn't really expect a sweep, right? I mean, come Well, on, they're not Jack. allowed to do that. They're not allowed. Not yeah. allowed. All right, well, let's dive into it. Obviously... We'll get to the games in a second, but Charlie, man, Charlie, what, what, what was your like? What I mean, take take us through the Jack Fritz mind as he hears. First and foremost, a long time coming. We have said on this podcast for John Maley to finally be gone, but when it was not just that Maley's gone, but that Charlie freaking Manuel, the skipper, was coming back. How did you react? Well, I was walking into the the studio, and you get a, I got a text from you, and you're like, and you're like, Charlie. I was like, I was like, listen, buddy, I know people have called you Charlie Day before, but it's not. <laughs> I didn't like, even think about that. Yes, me and like, Charlie. You're not, you're not actually Charlie Day. That's uh, hilarious. So no, but it was like, uh, and then I, as soon as you said that, I was like, oh my god, like, did they fire Gabe and bring in Charlie? Like, which is the correct thought, right? That's the correct thought. There's no way they're bringing Charlie to be the hitting coach, right? Yeah, well, actually, my first initial thought was, did they find a way to get Charlie Morton? Like, like Charlie, <laughs> Charlie Manuel was so off my radar. That's awesome. <laughs> that I was like, what is going on with this team? So I check Twitter, and I see the, the Zalecki tweet, and it's just like, <laughs> it's, what well, happened? How? My first thought actually was like, this is such a, this is such a Flyers move. Like, like bringing in someone from the past that had success and, and expecting him to just get it back to the Phillies way of playing baseball. Um, it was, it was just one of those moments where it was like, you're, you're kind you're excited because Charlie Manuel's back and he's going to be in the, in the um, dugout and he's going to be working with these guys and, and Charlie just being around a baseball team just makes sense. Like Charlie just being at a baseball field and in a dugout talking hitting is like the most baseball baseball could possibly be. So th- there's that thought. And then you have the thought of like, what are they doing? Like, <laughs> like, like, is what is this happening right now? Why are we bringing in Charlie Manuel to be the hitting coach? Now, I'm glad John Maley is gone. And I like John Maley should have been fired months ago. Um, I just my main my main hope of the Charlie Manuel as hitting coach era is that seven weeks he's doing Middleton a favor and then we can move on this offseason. Like, I don't want the Phillies reverting back to what they were before. Uh, Klentak and and Gabe kind of took over. Like I don't want them to go back in the anti-analytics movement. Like this is a team that needs to move forward. Keep pressing the boundaries of how far you can go with the analytics stuff because that's what all the great teams in baseball are doing. And I don't want this to turn into, well, see, I'm John Middleton. I'm an old school owner. I'm going to go back to the way that we used to play the game. I don't want that to happen at all. I need this to be a seven week, like help maybe jumpstart the offense, maybe get them going. Maybe loosen them up. Um, maybe show them that. Maybe send them a message that if you're not getting the job done, then you're going to be out of here, like John Maley, uh, and a nice little jump start. But I don't want it to be anything more than that. And and I don't think it will be ultimately. At least with Charlie, I mean, who knows what Gabe's fate's going to be? And I think a lot of it depends on whether they make the playoffs or not. But um, I, I look, I think if nothing else, Charlie's 75 years old. He really likes the life that he has. He's made that very clear. And you know, it seems that a lot of people who we know who know Charlie and all that think the same way. Think that you know Charlie enjoys what he's doing now. He enjoys you know working with the kids sometimes, doing stuff in Clearwater, hanging out around the team when he can, but also being able to have his own life. And I think that's what Charlie wants. And I think that look, I, it's clearly what Matt Klentak wants. I mean, Klentak said. Uh, multiple times in that press conference that it was a short-term thing, seven weeks only, just the remainder of the season. He found many different ways to let people know that Charlie was not going to be here past the end of the season. So, um, look, anything can change, you know, maybe the last seven weeks of the season and the team gets hit and Charlie's like, crap, I really missed this and I realize how much I missed it. You never know 
what can happen. But it does at least, to me, feel like a a short-term thing. Um, I think the bigger, you know, more interesting kind of question with it is is the ramifications for Gabe as, at least from a fan perspective, you know, if this team does what they did in game two of this series and, and the bats get going, obviously, tonight... The bat's less going. But if they can find a way to, to have some sustained success offensively and it propels them to the playoffs, then obviously Charlie's going to get all the credit and Gabe's going to get none of it. And if they don't make the playoffs and if the offense fails, it'll be on Gabe anyway. So it's really a no-win situation, it feels like, for Gabe Kapler. Other than the fact that if Charlie can get this offense going and they do get to the playoffs, that maybe that does save Gabe's job, regardless of what the fan reaction to it is. Um but that was my first thought. My first thought, well, my first thought was, yay, I love Charlie. That's fun. My second thought was, wow, what a spot for Gabe. What a spot for Gabe. I mean, it is, I, I've never, I don't ever remember a team bringing in a World Series winning manager to be their hitting coach, you know, who was the manager of that team. I don't remember it happening. I certainly don't think in the history of baseball, a hitting coach name has been chanted by the fans the first yeah. night. I'm pretty yep. sure that has never happened. Um, so it's a real, it's a tough spot for Gabe, but on a pure baseball perspective, there's only a handful of people on the planet who know hitting like Charlie Manuel. There really are. Like he is a hitting savant. It's what he's always done. It's what he's always been great at. He was a hitting coach first. That's what he always was before he became a manager, before he became to the Phillies, even with the Indians, before he was a manager of the Indians, he was the hitting coach of the Indians. Um, and also the thing with Charlie too, is that he is really great at not just understanding the art and the science of hitting, but at relating it to players, at, at imparting that knowledge and having them implement what he's teaching them. So I think from a pure baseball standpoint, mainly sucked. We all know that. And again, who knows how much of it is his fault, but he was not getting the job done. So I think from a purely baseball standpoint, this is a good move. Charlie is a better hitting coach than John Maley. I bet my life on it. So I feel good about it that way, but it, it's a really, man, it's a really interesting situation for Gabe. I think it helps the locker, the clubhouse in the sense that they are a little looser. I like the spark idea. I do think that matters. The idea of even if they weren't, and it is kind of a dichotomy because they weren't willing to invest in the club at the trade deadline. They weren't willing to say, all right, let's go for it. But then they're willing to fire Maley and bring Manuel back and say, all right, you know, we're, we're going for it now and we're giving you that spark and we believe in you and and all that. So it, it's kind of a mixed messaging type of thing. And I think that comes down to the Clentac Middleton disconnect on this. But ultimately, I think it's a good thing for the team's chances the rest of the season. I think it's a really iffy situation for Gabe and how this all plays out moving forward. W- would you agree with that? Well, uh, like, I just think that with I just at the at the at the this season level, I think that Maley was a guy that relied a lot on information. He was a guy that um, I think in a way these guys just had a little bit of information overload. And like sometimes when you're you know you're getting fed this, like it forces you to do do it, do something else, and it takes you out of your comfort zone. So I think for the rest of this season, just having a guy like Charlie Manuel who you can go to talk hitting, and it can it they kind of just exhale from the. Uh, from like the pressure of having all that information in your head and just going and trying to use it and apply it and whatnot. Like some players can handle it, some players cannot. And I think Maley's only approach was, "Here's all this information. Here's how you have to use it. Here's what I want you to do." And it doesn't. It felt like a lot of my way or the highway. And the thing that I like about Charlie and what makes Charlie so special is that he'll adjust to the player. Right? Like he'll he'll take the player, see what they do well, and then try to accentuate what they do well. Rather than uh, you're like Scott Kingery, like you're not a launch angle guy. Well, I'm going to make you into a launch angle. Totally, guy. Uh, so I, totally, Jack. So from that standpoint, like I think it's really good. But you bring up the trade deadline, and here's what frustrates me. And I, I was in the last couple of days thinking about this and whatnot. Is like, is like the way Matt Klintak looked and talked in that in that press conference with a guy that is fearful of losing his job for the first time, and I just think that. Ah, oh, Brycey. Um, <laughs> I just, I just think that, I just think that if you're gonna, if you're gonna say playoffs are bust or you guys are gonna lose your jobs, then you should have been more forceful about them going after it at the trade deadline. Like you can't, you can't say playoffs are bust and then leak the extension thing and then two weeks later change your mind 
and say, here's Charlie Emanuel, uh, and if you guys don't make the playoffs, then you guys are going to lose your jobs. Like, I hope that's not what's going on here because that's a that's an owner acting reckless and an owner just just going haywire in a way. Because if, if these guys knew that their jobs were on the line, they, they don't just bring in Jason Vargas and Drew Smiley and Corey Dickerson. Like, they're going to go get an actual pitcher. Like, they're going to they're gonna give up stuff to go get a guy. And I understand, like, it's probably the best thing for this team that they didn't go and give up major prospects. And I, it's not even major prospects. Like, they could have got Tanner Roark. They could have got Alex Wood. They could have... And uh, they could have. Well, Alex wouldn't get traded, but I mean, he's a rental. But he could have been. He could have been. been. He, he could have been traded. Um, Mike Leake. Like, you could have gone. could have found like guys like that. You didn't have to go get a Marcus Stroman, even though I would have liked to go get a Marcus Stroman. But he, I don't. I just. I hope that Middleton's not acting out after a bad series against the White Sox and whatever, and seeing where this team is and forcing this like playoffs or bust ultimatum two weeks after he was fine with the front office and. Whatnot, not making any major moves of the deadline because that feels like a dysfunctional organization. Yeah, look, I agree 100%. Uh, and we've talked about a lot. And obviously, we were all very happy when John Middleton got involved with the Bryce Harper situation. But that doesn't mean that we always want the owner being involved in situations for the most part. And obviously, the Jeffrey Lurie thing with Chip is an exception. But for the most part, definitely not the rule. Exactly. When owners get involved, it's usually bad. It's almost always bad. So the, the, the great owners are people who hire smart people who they trust to do their jobs and let them do their jobs. That's what the best owners do. That's what the best leaders in any businesses do. Any smart business people, any people who have people working under them want to hire people who they trust can do a job, who they, who they believe in to do a job, and then they let those people do that job. I mean, that's the best structure that you can have. So I, I agree with you. It is a little nerve wracking. I don't think Clentag's job is on the line for a couple reasons. I think obviously the extension makes a difference. And I also think that Middleton was so, so vociferously positive about Matt Clentag this offseason. And, you know, obviously this feels like a Middleton move as has been talked about. And, you know, a few people have come out and said that Middleton, you know, basically Matt Gelb said basically that it was a Middleton decision to bring Charlie back. Um, so, you know, but but even with that, we've still not heard John Middleton talk since the offseason, since Matt Clentac was his favorite son. And I just feel like it'd be really strange after a season where there are a lot of different things that you can point to. And yes, Matt Klintak, as we've talked about a ton, deserves a lot of the blame for the issues with this team. But um, I think it would be, I think it would be crazy for for Middleton to talk the way he did this offseason and then with the injuries they've had and for a team that's competing, again, look, if they collapse, uh, you know, this is the caveat to all these discussions, the Gabe discussion, the Klintak discussion, whatever. If they somehow crash and finish eight games out of the wild card, all bets are off. But I do And they think should be that, off. And they should be, exactly. You can't do that again. You can't do that two years in a row and, and heads not roll. But outside of that, I, I just, I think it would come off as really... Strange if John Middleton, after being so pro Clentag in one offseason with so many things that went wrong this season, I think it'd be really strange for him to come back and say, All right, you're out because we didn't make the playoffs. Well, Middleton also was like high on life when, uh, <laughs> very true, very true. <laughs> like when he signed Harper, I mean, it was the whole everything after that was all oh, Clentag was a genius. And he's he said Middleton's exact quote in two different times was that that Matt Clentag is, is an elite GM. Mm-hmm. And also that Branch Rickey never had an offseason like this, like in, in in two different quotes. So and 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 what and and Middleton would look like a fool to say that and then fire the guy this offseason. He would look like a fool, whether or not Clintag deserves to be the general manager of this team. Like it would it would look ridiculous. It would be really hard to take John Middleton seriously when he says things. Yeah, and I, I and getting into even a more macro level, I just I hope it's not a, a shift in in philosophy. I hope it's not a I hope it's not a trying to go back to an old school way of playing baseball because baseball is not going that way. Like baseball is going the exact opposite way, and the best teams in baseball are the ones that are pushing the envelope and are, are investing more in analytics and player development and all of that stuff. And I just, I just hope that, and even like, I hope it doesn't. I, I didn't think John Maley was a, a good hitting coach, but I also think that the idea of slug and the idea of exit velocity and barreling baseballs and and launch angle, I think those are all good things. I know that's like 
oh my god, that's voodoo. Like you believe that launch angle could possibly be a good thing, but when when it's implemented the right way and when, exactly, and that's when it's the key, Jack. Right when it's coached the right way, when when the analytics are applied in the right way, you see what you get now. Like with 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 these great baseball teams, like that, the teams that are operating at the highest levels of the sport are the teams that are using the analytics the correct way. And I just think the Phillies have been poor at at using the analytics the correct way. So, like, I don't. I hope this doesn't turn into a whole organizational shift in philosophy of getting away from launch angle slug, all that stuff. Because because that would that would mean the good work that Jason Ochart has put in in the minor league hitting as the minor league hitting coordinator would all go to waste. And I I just think that the 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 system as a whole has taken a major step forward in in what it's done and and the guys that we were worried about not being top prospects starting to figure it out. And I, I just think that a shift from that would be a massive, massive mistake. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think you hit on a really important point here in the idea that, you know, people are coming out, analytics, oh, you know, back to basics, old school Charlie and all that is so ridiculous to say analytics have been in baseball forever. Forever for the history of baseball, whether it's batter versus pitcher data, whatever it is, they've just gotten more advanced. And the key to analytics is not just the, the, the knowledge and the data themselves. It's how you interpret and implement it. That's exact. What you said, Jack, is is a hundred percent on. Perfect example. Just flashed on our screen. Carlos Santana just hit his twenty eighth home run of the season. The Cleveland Indians are seventy two and forty nine with a lower payroll than the Phillies. One of the few teams out there that are you know of a, of a, a contending team that wants to spend less than the Phillies, other than the Rays, of course, who are the lowest in baseball. But the Indians do it by being smart, and that's why Carlos Santana goes there and has a turnaround of the season because the Indians like every smart team in baseball, use analytics heavily. They just use them correctly and they implement them and they teach them. And it's just, it's infuriating to, to and, and I get it that, that maybe, maybe it was too fast, too soon, not from a what is smart perspective, but from a the fan base accepting it perspective because it was. It went from zero to 60 with the whole analytics in Philadelphia thing. They were the worst franchise in sports. In sports, when it came to using analytics, there was the, remember the freaking analytics plant? Like, that was a joke for a reason. They had one guy in the analytics department. They had a plant. Like, there was no analytics department. And now they employ as many or more analytics people than anyone in baseball. So they've really gone from one end of the spectrum to the other. But that doesn't mean that they're there. And that doesn't mean that it doesn't take time for these things to really work themselves out, for philosophies to become organizational philosophies that work throughout the organization and all that type of stuff. So uh, I'm I'm so with you. I mean, if they were to if there was an organizational shift, it would just undo any progress they have made from an organizational philosophy perspective and would set them back to square one while teams are already ahead of them. The Dodgers, the Astros, the Indians, all these great teams, they're ahead of them. They're ahead of them still. The Phillies are behind. Even though they are heavy in analytics now, they are still way behind when it comes to this stuff. And, you know, it it would be asinine. To, to try and shift the organizational philosophy, and it would be losing baseball. It would be losing baseball. Yeah, um, I don't. I don't think that's gonna happen. I think I don't I, either. I don't. Again, I don't think Clentac's getting fired. I really don't. Well, it's not even Clentac. Like who? I, I would even if they fired Clentac and they brought in Chaim Bloom. Like like that's still moving in the correct direction. It'd be like of course. It'd be like firing Clentac and bringing in like Steve Phillips or like right. That <laughs> that would be the worry. Is the point? You like know, Rube and not Steve a, Phillips, bring back Rube. Yeah. Bring back Rube. Yeah. Why not? Um, oh I, I, here's the thing is that sure. There's that little bit of worry in me, but I, I think Middleton wants to stay out of it. And I think he just saw a middling team. Um, uh, he saw 31,000 show up to alumni day. He saw, he, here's the, the reaction to this team, how it's like so fun and fun and not, and boring baseball and how he, he spent what 300 plus million dollars on a lineup, $500 million on a, on a lineup. And it's been underperforming. And and Charlie can just give him a jolt for seven weeks and and can kind of save face a little bit on on what's just been a dreadful season. So uh, I don't think it's going to be an organizational shift. I just think that if it is and it does turn out to be that way and they get rid of the analytics or whatever, uh, it would be it would be like I would probably stop following the team. Like it would, we might become a raised podcast if that happens. I mean, it would be it would be, it would be so embarrassing. <laughs> it would be so embarrassing. But it would also make sense for a team that's won two championships in eighteen eighty three. 
Yeah. No, it's a, it's a really fair point. Um, and, and I also don't expect it. I'm not expecting that, that sort of shift back. I think I actually think you nailed it. I, I think if I had to assess how this played out, John Middleton was looking at the situation, looking at the team and saying, all right, what can I do that can create a spark, can create some fan excitement, some fan interest, and just make people feel better about this team? And honestly, for that criteria of uh, goals he was trying to accomplish – there's really no better movie could have made. Yeah. You know, regardless of all the other stuff attached to it we've talked about for Middleton in that spot. I mean, it's a move that makes a lot of sense without really, you know, shaking up the roster or firing the manager. Yeah, I guess I guess, I guess the one thing that does give me pause is that he pretty much went over Clentzak's head and he went over McPhail's head and made this and obviously uh, against Gabe as well. Yeah, and made this his decision. And I just think that if you're Clentzak and McPhail and whatnot. Like, you kind of feel a little bit neutered in that, like you can't just do whatever you want, and if you, it's almost like, listen, if you guys are going to have inaction, you're not going to. I bet, I bet Middleton has been like, hey, let's maybe think about a move at hitting coach, and them just refusing to do it. Like, it's not the best reflection on the standing of Clentzak and McPhail in that organization. And if it's if it's more reflection McPhail, great. If it could be, if it can make. And McPhail look any worse, I would be all for it. So is that possible? I would. I would. It's also a little like, why wasn't McPhail at the press conference the other day? Like, it's a really good point. Like, I don't really get why he wouldn't be there. Um, honestly, Gabe and Clentak sitting up there kind of look like a like two kids that had to apologize to the classroom. Um, like, Clentak sounded tight, man. Clentak sounded tight. He sounded it. It was if we, you know, obviously it's come out that it was Middleton decision, but. All you had to do was watch that press conference, and you knew where it came from. Yeah, yeah, and 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 freaking and him saying him saying uh, we're not going to sit on our hands and we're going to do everything we can, and that's that's <laughs> like, a, dude. That, that's what like, I was talking about. Talking out both sides of your mouth. You, you just, can't do what you did at the trade deadline, and then say that you can't do it. It's embarrassing, and uh, everyone that covered the team, everyone that listened to that press conference, it just invalidates everything you do from that point on. Like saying that we're not going to sit on our hands and we're going to do whatever, be aggressive. It's like that's just not true. Like it doesn't. I I was I was blown away when I heard him say that at that press conference. Yeah, it it just came off as very hollow. And you've already got a problem with a manager who everything he says is hollow. Whether or not he's a good manager is a is a different discussion. But in, and and also whether or not we care if he rips the players is a different discussion. But no one believes anything he has to say. <laughs> We're at that point with Gabe Kapler. When he speaks, it is in one ear and out the other because I know that it is all BS. It's all BS. So I think when you look at that and you look at an organization where your, gen- your president, your general manager, and your manager are all guys who the entire fan base, when they talks, they are, we are all rolling our eyes. It's not great. Yeah, the only one you believe is Middleton. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, Philly guy. You know, Philly people know Philly guys. <laughs> it's true. It's what we do. Although I will say, uh, I will say, if we're talking about powerful owners, and like we're, we were talking earlier about, you know, Lurie's really the only one that where it, it works out. Like, and people are going to bring up Steinbrenner. Like, the only time Steinbrenner was good was when he was under house arrest or whatever, and he couldn't, he, he couldn't 100%. fire people. Like, that's when he probably would have fired Tory. He probably would have traded Jeter. He probably would have traded the whole core. Probably would have fired Cashman. Like, Cashman's still there being awesome. Yeah. And he might not be if Steinbrenner had been there. So I, the, the, I agree. The, 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 there's overwhelming evidence that most of the time when owners get involved, it does not work out well. Unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, it was great that what Laurie did. But the, the, just the fact that it's so close to us and that, that everyone remembers the Lori moment is, is why people aren't as afraid of what Middleton did because it felt, it did feel a little bit Lori like. I'm um, taking my team back. It definitely felt like that. Yeah. So um, just such a weird, a weird couple of days. I hope it gets them a little jump start. Um, obviously, last night was just like amazing and so classic. Like it was the most, cl- it was the, if you had any, like, there was no doubt in my mind they're scoring more than eight runs in Charlie's first. Oh game. yeah, I, I, I would have bet anything I had that it was a minimum of six, a minimum. I would have bet anything I had. It was, it was classic. There, there. Everyone's like, oh, Charlie's back, Charlie's back, Charlie's back. He's gonna take Gabe's job. Uh, all this fun stuff, and then for them to come out, just bludgeon the Cubs and Cole Hamels and ruin his uh, return and have the Charlie chance. It was the most classic. 
Philly sports, like, of course this happened moment. Um, and especially, well, especially because, like, let's be real. I, I mean, if anything, maybe it was a more they hated John Maley and he's gone, let's go out tonight and kill it type of thing than it was. Like, Charlie was there for a day. Charlie's not changing everything no. in a day. Maybe he helps a guy or two feel a little looser or, you know, changes a little thing or whatever. But that 11 runs was not because Charlie came in and was like, this is what you're doing wrong. This is what you're doing wrong. This is what you're doing wrong. That was not what happened. No. No, it felt like it felt like a big, big old exhale. It was, yeah, it was exactly eleven, eleven runs of just exhaling. Well, and also, you know, back to the whole trade deadline, deadline thing. After the deadline, an organization that, as we've talked about many times, said, "Hey, we're not investing in you guys. Go out and figure it out." It was the first time in this, you know, entire stretch of poor play, of struggles and all that, where someone high up in the organization has said, no, I do believe in you, and I'm doing something about it. In this moment, I'm doing something that I think can help us win right now, this season. So, that probably helped. I don't think that hurt from a, from a clubhouse perspective. No, and maybe they have the uh, McPhail cutout, and they're throwing darts at <laughs> Please, that's what we wanted. Yeah. Just do it. Please, please. For sure. Um, all right, let's uh, let's get into the actual series. And again, it is now five one in the top of the ninth. I don't think Jack and I are going to get to do our play by play. But who look if if they come back in the bottom of the ninth, we actually it might be our big break, Jack. This could be exciting. So um, <laughs> we'll be here for it. But let's let's start with the first two games. Um, I mean, the first game there's really not a ton to to get into other than you know Vargas looked really good. The pen did a nice job. Um, the fact that Blake Parker and Mike Moore in pitch high leverage situations in big games on this team is just amazing. I mean, like you got guys, and they picked up Jared Hughes. Uh, we should mention that who, who was yeah. really good for Cincinnati last year, like Dude, legitimately good. Jared Hughes might be this team's second best reliever, right? Now. And that's what's craziest. Again, Mike Moore and Blake Parker are both guys who were literally picked up off the scrap heap. No team wanted them. And yet these guys are pitching the seventh and eighth inning of a two-run game. At the time, Parker pitched a tie game against the Cubs in a, a you know, must-win is a strong term. But really, for the rest of the season, every game the Phillies play is, in theory, must, must-ish must win. Like an important—the Phillies have no more non-important games left. So um, it's just—it's crazy to me to see the, that— Guy, that type of guy, a guy who's picked up off the scrappy, pitching those types of meaningful innings, and I think it says a lot about the shambles, the state of shambles that this bullpen has been forced into. But um, outside of of game one, um, obviously, I think the the big the big night, the eleven to one game, uh, the offense gets going. What what was your takeaway from? Was it just the spark, or was there something else you saw that maybe gave you a little more? And and obviously tonight is kind of back down to earth, but. Do you think this is something that really can make a change? Like, is there stuff that you saw in that eleven to one game that you think can carry over? Well, I mean, they were way more aggressive on fastballs, and I thought just overall on the whole night they looked like more of an aggressive offense. And I think they have players in this team that are more aggressive hitters. Like, I, I think I think Kingery is, I think Segura is, uh, I think Real Muto in a way. I think Harper wants to be more aggressive. I think I think Harper's really aggressive on on OO pitches, and then he kind of settles into having his at bat kind of work its way out. Um, but they look like a team that was more ready for the fastball, more geared for the fastball, and uh, look like they just want to jump all over Cole Hamels. Um, I just think kind of Darvish. Darvish is another guy like uh, uh, another guy like Samarja, where they just struggle against guys that can can throw a four-seam fastball and then also throw a cutter off of it to where it's always moving off the barrel and they don't know how to square that pitch up. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, them being more aggressive and them going out there and looking to hunt and attack fastballs, I think, is always a good um, a good plan. And maybe that was, I don't think much of that was Charlie, but I think they are they are kind of letting these guys start to think less. I know I know that in Sunday night against the the Giants they didn't win, but they scored six runs and had ten hits. And before the game, uh, I think uh, uh, Gabe and and Maley at the time were just like, "Yo, we're not gonna we're not gonna game plan too much. Just just go out there and, and let your natural abilities take over." Um, and it feels like they're doing that more and more. So. Uh, and uh, they 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 hit pretty well the Cup Series. I know they struck out 15 times, but um, I mean JT Real Muto, like this is the JT Real Muto that we traded for. Um, yep. He has been just unbelievable. I mean, every ball he's, he's been hit, awesome. Every ball he's hit tonight has just been squared up. Um, and I think he's batting 300 with like a 1100 OPS in um, in August. So just like just like an unbelievable run JT Real Muto's on, and this is the guy we traded for. Um, he's barreling up everything and. For, see where his numbers are right now, 
are pretty much uh, right in line with his career. And I think JT Realmuto has kind of had a down season. So it feels like he's rounding into form. Bryce has obviously been rounding into form. Kingery, ever since they moved him out of the leadoff spot, has been good. Corey Dickerson's been good. Like, there's something brewing with this offense. Hoskins has been absolutely brutal. Um, awful. Just ju- awful. Just like completely off timing-wise. Just just no, no, doesn't doesn't look comfortable in the box at all. Uh, looks like it just like it has no plan and and whatnot. But the other four guys, Segura has been hitting well. Like the offense it was was actually starting to come around towards the end of John Maley. Now that I think Charlie's here, it's going to only get even better. So I'm excited. I'm excited where this offense can get to, and hopefully that, hopefully that for the rest of the season we see what what could possibly be 2020. Yeah. Look, and and the only chance they have to make the wild card game to maybe win a game or two of the playoffs or whatever is the offense. We all know that that the only chance is that those guys all start to play up to their potential. And it's not Drew Smiley. Well, I was just about to get there, Jack. Uh, but that, I think that's the only real chance they have is the offense finds a way to, to really all get firing on the same time in the same you know way and, and, and kind of carries them. But back to Drew Smiley, as you mentioned it, uh, not Cliff Lee. Mm, beginning to think he's not Cliff Lee. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure he's not Cliff Lee. Mm, yeah. But, I mean, he didn't pitch great tonight, but I also think that a lot of it was unlucky. And not all of it, but there was a good amount that I thought um, was a little bit fluky. And I, I still think, at worst, Smiley can give them five to six innings and in less than four runs. I, 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 I think Smiley can be a good to decent pitcher for this team. Yeah, I'm with you. I think Smiley is is fine. You know, I think he's okay. But as as we talked about, you know, not to get too carried away with those first couple starts, and it looks like he's coming back to earth. I think, you know, he's he's a he's theoretically the four of the five on this team. You know, best case, which brings me to my next point. Uh, Should have mentioned earlier, but um, it looks like Jake Arrieta might finally be done for the season. Jack, oh, he's definitely done for the season. Like. And it's probably about time. Like he, he was. Yeah, I think like, it's definitely about time. You could see it those last couple starts. Just well, just doesn't did we, have it anymore. Did we see it the last couple starts? Because the the start before this one, he said he should have been left out there to keep pitching. <laughs> he did, didn't he? Classic Arietta. And then after one start, he's like, "Yeah, season's over. Sorry, boys." Like, <laughs> so it's so on brand. It is oh. so on brand for Jake Arietta. It's it's absolutely perfect. So, um, it was another just great Jake Arietta season. I am so glad that we're paying that guy twenty million next year. Uh, I cannot wait for John Middleton to write that check. Um, like I, oh, I'm s- sure he's just as excited as you are about it. Uh, like I said many times, um, all I ask for Christmas is for Jake Arrieta to opt out. Uh, it's my. It's <laughs> like, the, like nothing has ever been less likely than he him. There's a zero percent chance. I would out. take a Jake Arrieta opt out over a Super Bowl this year. Wow. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, wow. I was like, that I'm is like, over the top, my friend. I'm half kidding. I, and you know what the funny thing is? Yeah. I know you are. I know you are half kidding. Um, oh, also, yeah. uh, uh, so we're, we're all good. You think it's going to be Affleck Mack in the rotation? Yeah, he's pitching on High Hopes Night. So we're, we're going to have... Uh, oh, <laughs> lucky us. Yay. Yay. Just what we wanted. While while uh, Zach Eflin is feeling heavy on the mound, we will be feeling heavy in section 145. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to lie to you. I legit was like in the back of my mind. I was like, maybe we get a little Spencer Howard. Maybe we get uh, a little Spencer Howard. If we had Spencer Howard stay beat, Not to be, Jack. There be not t- to be. There would be 200 people at High Hopes. <laughs> How great would it be? But not to be. Again, High Hopes Night. This Saturday, coming out with us, uh, you can get tickets um, still at a discounted rate. Um, just go to our pinned tweets. Also, uh, shout out to uh, Logan Morrison as a Philly. Similar to Brad Miller move, a guy who's just been crushing it in AAA. You know, he's fine. I'm actually I'm actually pretty upset that Fernando Tatis is not going to be playing this weekend. Um, with him being, oh, is he hurt? Yeah, he's on the DL. Perf- oh, no. I was very much looking forward to I was, like, actually excited to see the next great superstar live. That is a bummer. That it is, is a bummer. bummer. It is bummer. It's better for the Phillies, better for the chances of winning, but a bummer nonetheless. Um, Lomo, any thoughts on Lomo? Uh, and my only thought on Lomo is that I cannot wait for Gabe to say the term Lomo. For the first, time. <laughs> oh, you know, I mean, that's a lock. You know? Oh, it's gonna I be mean, great. Yes, 
like lock that in. Like Lomo's um, Lomo's gonna hit like a eighth inning home run. He's like he's gonna open the press conference like I really thought Lomo saw it <laughs> at bat in the in the eighth changed the entire game. Really excited to have Lomo here. I like that. I like that idea. I love it. All right. Um, uh, obviously, as we mentioned, the Padres series coming up next. Then in Boston for two, at Miami for three, home for Pittsburgh for three, home for the Mets for three, in Cincinnati for four, home in New York for three. Uh, and then it gets tough, Jack. If the Phillies are going to do anything, if they're going to make any sort of run, which, again, this is a team that is, has not won more than five games in a row. They're not Yet allowed this to. season, it feels to. like they're not allowed to. But if, if a run is going to happen, it's going to happen now. Any hope or I mean, like any hope or positivity that this happens? Yes, Charlie's here. Yes, yes. I'll um, take it. Listen, I it took You're me it, it took me one game of Charlie to think that this team has a run in them. I listen. <laughs> I myself am a an eternal optimist with the Phillies. There is no one in all of Phillies land that talks himself quicker into a Phillies run than me. It takes literally one game for me to be like, you know what? <laughs> They're going on a run. So, yes. Do I think they have a run on them? Yes. Do I believe in my heart of hearts that they're going to win more than five games in a row during this run? No. But. No, that would be a bad bet. But. But. I'm in. I love it. I'm I in. love it. Screw right, it. Why not? I think, Yo, Bryce, why not? I think Bryce is hot. Screw I think JT is hot. I think Kingery's figured it out. Uh, I, I just. I, I think the offense is, is poised for a run, and I'm very excited. All right, I like this yeah. for Jackie Optimist here. This That's is a good not, thing. I'm a I'm an eternal optimist. I uh, well only with the Phillies. Yeah, that's true, which is really funny, actually. But with the <laughs> Phillies, you are, and it's a beautiful thing. And look, I'm with you too. I think if nothing else, I think with Charlie here, the potential for the offense to to really kind of turn the corner a bit. I don't know about a a legit run. But I think they've still got a real shot for that wild card. And I know that's not a very bold statement. Considering they're, you know, only a, after tonight will be like a game and a half out or whatever, two games out. But um, I, I think I, I feel more optimistic than I have in a while about this team's chances to, to do anything. As they, they score a run, 5-2 now, Jack. Couple uh, errors here in the night. Bad feeling. The Cubs are letting them back in it. Oh, don't let the Phils find it. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Um, all right, so uh, anything else from the uh, the note bag before uh, we uh, get to my, the My only final thought is that I am thoroughly, uh, I, I'm thoroughly much looking forward to Jared Hughes' first run out of the bullpen. I don't know if you've ever seen Jared Hughes' first Oh, I love it. it I, I, I'm, I'm such a huge fan of the run from the bullpen. It, I just think it's the, uh, what's his name, that that uh, coffee, that Reds reliever used to do it. Oh, Todd Coffee? Todd Coffee. I just, I love it. I think it's so cool. I mean, I'm not going to nerd out like you. I just think it's funny to watch him run like he has to poop the whole time. Like he, I just think it's so fun. He, I think it's so so weird. Like he there's runs, something so weird about it that I just love it. He runs like Forrest Gump. Like he runs exactly like Forrest Gump. He runs like he always has to take a poop. And I, I'm glad he's on my team now. And he's got a nasty sinker that I just think he's impossible to hit. And I've never, I, in my life, I've never seen the Phillies get a hit off of Jared Hughes. So I'm excited that he's on my team now. Luckily, luckily they don't have to face him. Um, they no, they figure like, out a way not to hit him. Yeah, well, look, I think the goal is that by the end of the season, the Phillies will have a bullpen full of guys who are DFA'd by other teams and they just picked up this season. Is that possible? A, We're getting there. A bullpen. We're getting there. A bullpen full of guys that were let go with an ERA over four. Yeah, guys who sucked so bad that teams didn't want them and the Phillies brought them in to be core members of their bullpen. Jared Hughes, <laughs> Jared Hughes does have a $3 million option next year too, so um, watch out for that. Okay. Well, that's nice. That's a, a nice option if he actually turns it around and could be the guy who was in Cincy last year. Well, that actually would be a really nice deal for the well, guy. Well, let's be serious. I mean, I just want to be serious for one second. Like, I think the, the reason that his, his ERA is as bad as it is is that he had one, one outing where he had allowed six earned. So that'll, that'll jack up any reliever's ERA. Yeah, it's a great point. And again, he was really good last year, and he's someone who, you know, passes the eye test as well. Like, he does have nasty stuff. He's nasty, bro. So. Yeah, he's he's nasty. He's nasty, brother. He's like Hobie Milner. Um, he's like Hobie Milner. Left it. What the? Where is Hobie? What uh, happened? I think he's. I think he's teammates with Darren Ruff. Uh, 
Poor, poor Hobie. Poor Hobie. Um, all right. Any final thoughts, Fritz? Uh, no. I'm 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 thoroughly. Uh, I, I don't even. I don't know why I keep saying thoroughly. I don't even know how to use the word. I'm very much looking forward to High Hopes Night. Uh, Me too. I can't wait to meet everyone. Hopefully, we have fun. Uh, hopefully, we can just all just hang out and have beers and talk about a baseball team. And hopefully, they don't embarrass us. That is what we need. Don't embarrass us. Maybe win a game for us. And either way, uh, we're going to have an awesome night. That, that is my final thought as well. Thank you to everyone who bought tickets. Thank you to anyone who still is going to buy tickets and coming out because uh, just the idea that anyone wants coming out with Jack and I, uh, we're blown away. Uh, we think it's a huge mistake, but we really appreciate it. Um, no, <laughs> we're, we're going to have a lot. We're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to bring some beers. We're going to have a catch. We're going to hang out in the lot. We're going to go in. We're going to have some fun at the game. And um, last chance to get tickets and to everyone who has gotten tickets uh, from the bottom of our hearts. We, we appreciate you and we love you and we can't wait to meet all of you. So um, with that in mind, with Roman Quinn batting and Jack having to go to work, sadly, uh, if the comeback happens, we'll add an addendum to this pod. I'm, I'm guessing it's probably not going to happen. We'll see what happens. But um, if it doesn't, until next time, until Saturday night for all you beautiful, wonderful people who are coming. He's Fritz. I'm Salzer. We'll talk to you later.